Ezekiel 16. First we'll read from verse 1 to 34. Again, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, cause Jerusalem to know her abominations. And say, Thus says the Lord God to Jerusalem, Your birth and your nativity are from the land of Canaan. Your father was an Amorite, and your mother was mother a Hittite. As for your nativity, on the day you were born, your navel cord was not cut, nor were you washed in water to cleanse you. And you were not rubbed with salt, nor wrapped with swaddling cloth. Nor I pitied you to do any of these things for you, to have compassion on you, but you were thrown out into the open field when you yourself was loath on the day you were born. And when I passed by you, saw you struggling in your own blood, I said, to you in your blood live yes I said to you in your blood live I made you thrive like a plant in the field and you grow matured and became very beautiful your breasts were formed your hair grew but you were naked and bare when I passed by you again and looked upon you indeed your time was the time of love so I spread my wing over you, covered your nakedness, and I swore an oath to you and entered into a covenant with you, and you became mine, says the Lord God. Then I washed you in water. Yes, I thoroughly washed off your blood, and I anointed you with oil. I clothed you with embroidered clothes and gave you sandals. And badger skin, I clothed you with fine linen and covered you with silk. I adorned you with ornaments, put put uh, put breast bracelet on your wrist and a chain on your neck. I put a jewel in your nose, earrings in your ears, and a beautiful crown on your head. Thus you were adorned with gold and silver. Your clothing was of fine linen, silk, and embroidered cloth. You ate pastry and fine flour, honey and oil. You were exceedingly beautiful and succeeded to royalty. Your frame went out among the nations because of your beauty, for it was perfect through my splendor which I have bestowed on you, says the Lord God. Verse 15. But you trusted in your own beauty, play the harlot, because of your fame, and poured out your halotry on everyone passing by who would have it. You took some of your garments and adorned the multicolored high places for yourself, and played a harlot on them. Such things should not happen, nor be. You have also taken your beautiful jewelry from my gold and my silver, which I had given you, and made for yourself male images, and played a harlot with them. You took your embroidered garments and covered them, and you set my oil and my incense before them. Also my food, which I gave you, pastry of fine flour, oil, and honey, which I fed you. You set it before them as a sweet incense, and so it was, says, says the Lord God. Moreover, you took your sons and your daughters, whom you bore to me, and these you sacrificed to them to be devoured. Were your acts of harlotry a small matter, that you have slain my children and offered them up to them by causing them to pass through the fire? And in all your abominations and acts of harlotry, you did not remember the days of your youth when you were naked and bare, struggling in your blood. Then it was so, after all your wickedness, woe, woe to you, says the Lord God, that you also built for yourself a shrine and made a high place for yourself in every street. You built your high places at the head of every road, 
and made your beauty to be abhorred. You offered yourself to everyone who passed by and multi multiplied your act of holotry. You also committed holotry with Egyptians, your very fleshly neighbors, and increased your act of holotry to provoke me into anger. Behold, therefore I stretched out my hand against you, diminished your allotment, and gave you up to the will of those who hate you, the daughters of Philistines, who were ashamed of your lewd behavior. You also played a harlot with the Assyrians, because you were insatiable. Indeed, you played a harlot with them, and still were not satisfied. Moreover, you multiplied your acts of harlotry as far as the land of the traitor, Chaldea. And even then, you were not satisfied. Now, degenerate is your heart, says the Lord God, seeing you do all these things, the deeds of brazen harlot. And I will just skip a little bit there and go to verse 40. Um, there's going to come the punishment, the harsh punishment, like uh, uh, verse 35, because your filthiness are poured out, uh, your nakedness uncovered in your harlotry with your lover. So they will see your nakedness and you will be ashamed. Verse 40. They shall also bring up the assembly against you. They shall stone you with the stones and thrust you with their sword. They shall burn your houses with fire and execute judgment on you in the sight of many women. So those lovers that uh, Jerusalem chased after betrays her and uh, give harsh punishment. I will make you cease playing, harlot, uh, playing the harlot and you shall no longer hire lovers. So I will lay to rest my fury toward you. My jealousy shall depart from you. I will be quiet and be angry no more. So you can see the Lord is using the surrounding nations to punish Jerusalem. Uh, verse 44. Indeed, everyone who quotes a proverb will use like proverb against you, like mother, like daughter. You are your mother's daughter, loathing husband and children. Uh, you are the sister of your sisters who loathe their husbands and children. Your mother was Hittite and your uh, father an Amorite. Your elder sister is a Samaria who dwells with her daughters to the north of you. And your younger sister who dwells to the south of you is a Sodom and her daughters. You did not walk in their ways nor act according to their abominations, but as if they were too little. You became more corrupt than they in all your ways. As I live, says the Lord, God, neither, you, neither your sister Sodom and her daughters have done as you and your daughters have done. Look, this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. She and her daughter had a pridefulness of food and abundance in idleness. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. So these are the sins of other nations. And Jerusalem was worse than uh, Sodom and Samaria. They were haughty and committed abomination before me. Therefore, I took them away as I saw fit. Samaria did not commit half of your sin, but you have multiplied your abomination more than they and have justified your sisters by all abominations which you have done. You who judged your sisters... Bear your own shame also because the sin which you committed were more abominable than theirs. They are more righteous than you. Yes, be, be disgraced also and bear your own shame because you justified your sisters. When I bring back their ca captives, the captives of Sodom and her daughters and captives of Samaria and her daughters, then I will also bring back the captives of, captives of your captivity among them that you may bear your own shame and be disgraced by all that you did when you, you comforted them. When your sister Sodom and her daughter returned to their former state, and Samaria, her daughters, returned to their former state, then you and your daughters will return to your former state. For your sister Sodom was not by word in your mouth in days of your pride. There, uh, before your wickedness was uncovered, it was like the time of reproach of the daughters of Syria and all those who around her, and of the daughters of Philistines who despise you everywhere. 
You have paid for your lewdness and your abominations, says the Lord. For thus says the Lord God, I will deal with you as you have done, who despise the oath by breaking the covenant. And Jerusalem broke the covenant. Verse 60. Nevertheless, nevertheless, there's a change of sin, scenery. I will remember my covenant with you in the days of your youth. And I will establish an everlasting covenant with you. Then you will remember your ways and be ashamed. When you receive your older and your younger sister, that is Sodom and Samaria, um, I will give them to you for daughters. So they will become like their daughters. But not because of old, uh, my, my covenant with you, and I will establish my covenant with you, then you shall know that I am the Lord that you may remember and be ashamed and never open your mouth anymore because of your shame. When I provide you an atonement for all you have done, says the Lord God. So it is very depressing story, but it ends with the little hope that he will provide atonement for their sins. Of course, that atonement is the atonement made by Jesus Christ. We'll quickly go to the Heidelberg Catechism. Lord's Day 21. Lord's Day 21, question answer 54. What do you believe concerning the Holy Catholic Church? I believe that Son of God, through His Spirit and Word, out of entire human race, from the beginning of the world to its end, gathers, protects, and preserves for himself a community chosen for eternal life and united in the true faith. And of this community, I am and always will be a living member. What do you understand by the communion of saints? First, that believers one, believers one and all, as members of Christ the Lord, have communion with him and share in all his treasures and gifts. Second, that each member should consider it a duty to use these gifts readily and joyfully for the service of enrichment for the other members. What do you believe concerning the forgiveness of sins? I believe that God, because of Christ's satisfaction, will no longer remember any of my sin or my sinful nature, which I need to struggle against all my life. Rather, by His grace, he grants, God grants me the righteousness of Christ that I may never come into judgment. We're focusing on the first and then the last question. Uh, what is church? And then, how does that, what, what, is, what is church for? It's a place of forgiveness of sin. And then we'll be focusing on the uh, question 56. Beloved in the Lord, church, Church, that is the topic this evening. What is church? Church is simply, we can say, assembly, gathering of God's people. The Apostles' Creed or Nicene Creed says, We believe one holy, Catholic, apostolic church. So, four elements. I always ask students, church, and then what is church? Assembly of God. What are the characteristics of church? One holy, Catholic, apostolic church. One church is one. John chapter 10, 16. Christ said, they will hear my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Holy. The church is holy because the church was washed by Christ's blood and sanctified and set apart from the world and sealed by the Holy Spirit. And that's a direct quotation from Belgian Confession, Article 27. Well, it does not mean church is perfect. No. You see the church, churches and church, our, uh, the church struggles, fight against the sin all the time. By the power of the Holy Spirit, all their life, says here too, my sinful nature, which I need to struggle against all my life. Well, Ephesians 5.27, it is by the power of Christ the church will be holy 
and without blemish. Catholic, well, we try to distinguish from Roman Catholic Church and from this word Catholic. Catholic means universal. Uh, the word Catholic is, means universal because it is a gathered, uh, the church is gathered out of all nations and all kinds of people. Church is apostolic. Apostles, apostolic means following the teachings of the apostles. Uh, we might, some of us might think that, well, isn't it better to say we're following the teachings of Jesus Christ, which is true, which is true. Why don't we say this is Christ's church? Why do we say apostle, apostolic church? Well, the answer is, um, the answer is very simple because following the apostles' teaching equals following the Christ's teaching. In the early churches, the main question about the purity of doctrine was determined by this measurement, which is, are you following the instruction of legitimate apostles, or are you following the false teachings of the false apostles? So the word apostolic here um, is to guard against the false teachings and false apostles, such as uh, the doctrine against the Trinity, which was rampant in the early church uh, era. Ephesians 2.20, Paul says, The church was built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So you can imagine in the building, Christ is being chief cornerstone, and apostles upon the apostles' teaching, which is, uh, which transmitted the teaching of Jesus Christ, the church was built. And here's the theme and points of the sermon. The Lord redeems and sanctifies His church, His bride. We'll see how Jerusalem became His bride. Very graphic, very straightforward in Ezekiel 16. Second point, Jerusalem, although she was rescued by the king, she betrays her king, her husband. Third, Jerusalem was redeemed by her husband. So in order to understand Ezekiel 16, one first thing maybe we should look at is Ephesians 5.22. A well-known passage, the Apostle Paul uses uh, the language of husband and wife to describe the relationship between church and Christ. Wives, submit to your own husband as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, so also Christ is head of the church. Therefore, just as the church is a subject to Christ, so let the wives be their own husband in everything. And he adds more, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, two shall become one flesh. This is great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church, the mystery, the union that, that God designed is also is a picture of Christ and church. So Ezekiel 16 kind of shows that a story of a girl who was an orphan became queen and later became harlot. In the story there appear two characters, a girl and the king. Girl, her name is Jerusalem. Symbol of the Old Testament church, the people of Israel, and the king, of course, represents God, the Lord. The relationship between the church and the Lord in the history of Old Testament, summarized in Ezekiel 16. So when we closely look at this story, Old Testament, we see the life story of this young girl, very dramatic. She was born, she was born in Canaan, the promised land. Her father was Amorite, her mother was a Hittite. Interesting. Verse 3, her mother, father was Amorite, her mother was Hittite. Now, I just said this is the story of Jerusalem, the city Jerusalem. 
represents the whole nation. And when the verse 3 says, her father was an Amorite, her mother was a Hittite, it doesn't mean that Jerusalem had a physical lineage going back to Amorite or Hittite. No, that's not what it means. Uh, it does not refer to physical, physical relationship or physical uh, pedigree, but it's a spiritual one. Spiritually, Israel became like the Amorites and the Hittites. We find a similar language when Christ said to the Jews, you are of your father the devil. Does not mean that the Pharisees or the Jews were descendants of the devil. No. It's a spiritual, you know, it is meant to be a spiritual uh, lineage. Verse 4. So she was born. She was naked. She was not taken care of. And she was thrown away as soon as the parents gave her birth. I guess um, you can see who are these Amorites and Hittites. Maybe there's a, some, a clue right here that we can know about Hittites and Amorites. Maybe they, that's what they did. Her navel cord was not cut. She was left naked and not washed. She was thrown into the open field. Certainly there was no beauty found in this girl. Orphaned, abandoned right away after her birth. And the king passed by and saw her and took, took pity on her. So he, the king took her and covered her with his wing. And that comes later. He washed her off her blood, anointed with oil. He gave all kinds of fancy clothes, fine linen, sandal, silk, and then he gave her the best food. Story continues, the young girl grew and matured and became so beautiful and surprisingly, surprisingly, this is very surprising, the king marries her. King makes a covenant with her, verse 8. She becomes queen. But remember, she was not born as a princess or daughter of a king or something. She was just a common baby, orphan. She was not naturally beautiful or attractive. If you look at uh, the language in the verse, from verse 6 to verse 13, you notice that uh, you constantly read the first pronoun I all the way from verse 6 to verse 3 which suggests that a king is doing all these things for her. King is the one who made her beautiful and turned her into princess or queen. Notice all the I passages. I passed by and I saw you struggling, I said to you in your blood, live, I made you thrive, I spread my wing, I swore an oath, I washed, washed you, I anointed you, I clothed you, I adorned you, I put jewel on, in your nose, earrings in your ears, and beautiful crown on your head. The girl born naked and bare, no beauty. She was covered with blood. And now she is beautiful. Only because, only because the king made her so. So that is the main point. Uh, the first, first point, first uh, portion of Ezekiel 16. So what is the lesson that we can learn? Well, again, this girl named Jerusalem represents the Old Testament church. So what is a church? Well, church is beautiful, supposed to be beautiful, and church is beautiful. Not because church herself was born beautiful, but because God made her beautiful. This is confirmed in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 7. The Lord did not set his love on you, nor chose you, because you were more in number than any other people. Instead, you were the least 
Because, rather, the Lord loves you because he would keep an oath that he swore, swore to your fathers. The Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the hands of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. The apostle John, John repeats this in a similar way in John, 1 John chapter 4. We love him because he loved us first. So God chose Israel, adopted the Israel, Jerusalem, to be his child. And it's very clear from the text. Not because Israel was great or strong or many in number. Isn't that the same? In this church, Salem United Church, sorry, United Reformed Church in Bolomville, is that true? That we can gather here, not because we are worthier than any other people, not because we are better, but because the Lord made us to come here. The Lord gave us the Holy Spirit to call him Abba, Father. According to, according to Ephesians chapter 2, God chose us and made us alive. We who used to walk in a darkness according to the course of this world. If I apply that in Ezekiel 16. We who used to be like Amorites and Hittites serving other gods and other more, um, 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 I believe were Moabites that who's, I mean it's, it is clear from uh, the later verses that sending the kids to walk on the fire or sacrificing, sacrificing kids, children to other gods. They did all these things. We used to walk in the same way. We used to walk in the desire of flesh yet God out of mere grace adopted us from this world you used to be your father mother Amorites Hittites but now not anymore set us apart from this world in his rich mercy and then by the power of the Holy Spirit he continues to transform in the image of God <clears throat> so Heidelberg Catechism says uh, the son of God out of whole human race out of the whole human race, he sanctifies, he, 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 he set us apart, gathers, defends, and preserves his church for himself. By what? By his spirit and word. In the unity of true faith. Verse 8. When I passed by you again, looked upon you, indeed your time was a time of love. So I spread my wing over you and covered your nakedness. Yes, I swore an oath to you and entered into a covenant with you, and you became mine, says the Lord God. I spread a wing over you. Well, that's a great expression. I would recommend young people to use it in, the, in their wedding ceremony because that's what, exactly what it means. Spreading wing over someone is a description of care. A few weeks ago, we looked at Deuteronomy 32, Song of Moses, as an eagle spreading out its wings, taking the children on its wings, so the Lord alone led them through the wilderness. So, but in this context, it has more meaning than just taking care of someone. Uh, Ruth chapter 3 verse 9 has the same expression. When Ruth requested Boaz to marry her, she said, Take your maidservant under your wing. So that expression, I spread my wing over you, in this context simply means one thing, that the king married her, took her as his wife. So let's briefly summarize. The king not only rescued, not only fed, not only provided with all that is necessary for her, this orphan girl, but when she grew up, king marries her. Now think about this in the shoes of that orphan girl. What a great privilege. What a great privilege. Think about it. In the past, she was nobody. She was supposed to die, actually. 
she was meant to be abandoned in the open field. In the past, she was nobody, but now she is a queen, the queen of the nation. Only because king was merciful. Congregation of the Lord becoming children of God is such a great privilege. Jesus also promised that we will rule the kingdom together with Christ. But let us not forget that this great privilege comes with humility and responsibility. Humility, because again, it is by God's grace that we have this privilege. Responsibility, because great privilege comes with responsibility that we do not abuse this privilege. Just like what we are going to what we are about to see what this girl does what this queen does so we're going to go to the second point uh, Jerusalem betrays her husband so sadly she failed to be responsible of, with her privileges nor she failed to be humble she didn't take the weight of her office as a queen seriously. And as we read further, it seems that she didn't appreciate what she received from the king either. The king gave more things, gold and silver, fine linen and silk, verse 13. Verse 14, she was beautiful and became popular among the nations because king bestowed splendor on her. But what happened was she began to trust her own beauty rather than the king. Verse 15, she repays good with evil, trust with the betrayal. And we, you see from the expression, pour out your harlotry on everyone. On everyone. It literally means she pursued anyone available to commit adultery. So if you look at the map of uh, the Judea or Israel, you see the, there's down Egypt, the many surrounding nations. Up there, there's, there's Assyria, Babylon, Persia, whatever, there are many nations. And then west of Israel, there's a sea. East of Israel, there's a desert. And then between north and south, there's a highway called the King's Highway. So what it does is that there are so many nations who wanted to invade each other. They would go through Israel. Israel was the major route between, let's say, Africa continent and Asia Minor or Europe or Asia. It was the main route. What does that mean? Well, there are many pagan surrounding nations who wanted to go through Israel. So keep that in your mind and listen to this. The expression, pour out your harlotry on everyone. Whoever that passes by, Jerusalem committed harlotry with everyone. Some verses are very graphic. Description, graphic description of harlotry. Verse 17, she took the gifts of the king, made an idol, and played a harlot with them. The gifts the king had given to her as a token of love, she turned into a, a, a pathetic images of her false lovers. And she doesn't stop there. She plays harlot with Egyptians. She played harlot with Assyrians, south and north. And she was not still satisfied. The list goes on and on. And the Lord calls this abomination. And that's not everything. She also took her sons and daughters and sacrificed them to be devoured. Child sacrifice. Can you imagine? So what, why? You would say, why would you do that? Why did she do that? The scripture reveals the reason why. This is because she didn't appreciate 
what the king did for her. Verse 28, you were insatiable. Verse 29, you were not satisfied. You were not satisfied. Brothers and sisters, the root of the evil that we can learn as a lesson in this story is, I would say, I would say simply, forgetfulness. Jerusalem forgot her origin, how she became queen, how she became beautiful. Verse 43, because you did not remember the days of your youth. Do we remember the days of our youth? How we became Christians? How the Lord Jesus Christ sacrificed himself to rescue us? That story, that the origin, how I became the member of this church? Forgetfulness leads to pride. You trusted your own beauty, verse 15. This description is very graphic, verse 17. Halotry made with the male idol. Verse 26, she commits adultery with the Egyptians, Egyptian neighbor because they have much flesh. The language is so graphic that we don't almost think that this is not appropriate for uh, children to read. Uh, sometimes we wonder uh, some passages use very graphic language. Why? The answer is it is to show how devastating, how devastating our pride can lead us, corrupt us, change us radically. Do we not find the same pattern in Isaiah 14, the fall of Lucifer? How you are fallen from heaven? He was over there. He was one of the angels. O Lucifer, son of the morning, for you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. Right here you find the same pattern. Right? He forgot his place. Pride, lack of humility. And... Remember how Satan tempted evil? You will not surely die. Because the day you eat of it, you will be like God. You will open your eyes. You will be like God, Satan said. Eve forgot what God has done for her. Eve forgot about God's warning. God made Adam and Eve beautiful. This is bo now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, Adam confessed. And uh, remember also God also gave all kinds of fruits in the garden. Every tree of the garden you may eat freely, but one, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. So there are so many other uh, good fruits abundantly prepared and provided for Adam and Eve. There was nothing lacking Adam and Eve were placed above all other creatures to take dominion over them. And instead of being thankful, instead of remembering what God has done for them, they forgot. Just for a few seconds, maybe. Just for a moment. And that's all that took to blind Eve. <coughs> It was the same with the queen in Ezekiel 16. Forgetfulness instead of being thankful. Pride came quickly followed by perversion. This is why the Apostle Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks. Give thanks to God the Father through Him. Whatever you do in, your, in word and deed, to all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 3.17 And this is a great lesson for us. When we forget, the church can be changed dramatically. When church becomes, or members of the church become proud, thinking about my own things, 
my own power, my own whatever. I wanted to recognize my own something. Then the church become corrupt easily. Even for a second, you don't pay attention to the Lord. Right? That's why Jesus said, Jesus asked, commanded us to pray, do not lead us into temptation. Let's go to the final point. How uh, Jerusalem, the Jerusalem was redeemed by her um, husband. So at the end of Ezekiel 16, still it's the story of church. Very amazing ending, more open ending, I would say. The king still, the king accused the queen for her unfaithfulness. And he also talks about something about Sodom, Sodom and Samaria. I'm going to get into that. Well, interesting expression, verse 49, 50, uh, 49 and 55. Um, Sodom and Samaria were Jerusalem's sisters. Verse 52, Jerusalem used to judge her. Now, ironically, Jerusalem is worse than her sisters. Now, I said before that Jerusalem being a daughter of Amorites and the Hittites does not mean their physical descent of Amorites and Hittites, no. It is, it is, uh, there's, uh, the scriptures are speaking in, in a spiritual sense. It's the same here. Uh, the Jerusalem is not the sister, physical sister of Sodom and Samaria. Uh, maybe Samaria, yes. But it's more spiritual. Sodom. Sodom. You know what Sodom is? Destroyed by the Lord. Uh, Samaria was also destroyed by Assyrians, the Assyrians. And because Jerusalem was worse than Sodom and Samaria, they will follow the steps of their, her sister. And we know from the history that Jerusalem ended up in exile in, uh, to Babylon. And then the worst of it is that God will reveal, the king will reveal the nakedness of Jerusalem. Shame, embarrassment. All the nations that Jerusalem trusted will betray her and stone her and judge her. Very depressing. Was realized when they went to Babylon. However, thankfully, that's not the end of the story. The climax of this story is not about how horrible Jerusalem was and how terribly they were punished. The climax of this story comes when the Lord announced the news about forgiveness of her sins. Later in the chapter, in verse 60, he said he will establish his covenant with her, his unfaithful wife. He will restore covenantal relationship with her. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So what does that mean? Well, covenant, this morning we looked at uh, the marriage. We heard that marriage is not a contract, but it's covenant. It's a commitment. King said, although she did such horrible things, we would think a king would just divorce her. We look at the passage, certificate of divorce. And it is, it would be perfectly fine if the king were going to give her a certificate of divorce and let her go. But he says he will restore the covenantal relationship with her. And we wonder wait a minute, how and why? How can the Lord forgive such an abominable bride? who committed such detestable sins. And the story, how can a just and righteous king just forgive her instead of giving her a certificate of divorce? It's a mystery. It doesn't make sense. I mean, what would you do 
What would you do if your wife or husband committed uh, sexual misconduct, not with just one person, but almost everyone in the neighborhood? That, that's what happened. That's what Jerusalem did. How could he possibly forgive everything? Humanly speaking, humanly speaking, that's impossible. And that's why the Lord allowed divorce in some cases. But scripture says here, God, he will restore a covenant relationship with her. Impossible, we will say. It's a profound mystery. How? How? But I, I bet you know the answer. Why God, why can God forgive such a wretched sinner like Jerusalem, or we can say like us? The answer is in the New Testament, in the redemptive story of Jesus Christ. So this is open-ended. This doesn't have, it just ends with the promise, I will provide you with atonement. And the fulfillment of the promise comes in the New Testament. The king, can, the king can still forgive Jerusalem without compromising his justice and righteousness because God truly punished sin in the flesh of Jesus Christ. How can God forgive such a horrible sin of Jerusalem? Well, the answer is comes later in the New Testament because of Jesus Christ. He paid for our sins for his bride, Jerusalem. He died for her. So on the cross, the death of Christ satisfied God's justice. And as a result, we are forgiven of our sins. His grace has no limit. We confess along with the canons of Dort, that the death of Christ is, is of infinite value and worth, more than sufficient to atone for the sin of the whole world. His atoning power is a powerful enough to eradicate the whole, every sin of the whole world. His atonement is so much in value that there's no sin that God cannot forgive. And that is not everything. Verse 61. Then you will remember your ways and be ashamed when you receive your older and younger sister, which is uh, Sodom and Samaria. I will give them to you for daughters. Not because of my covenant with you. Uh, this is a little difficult passage. So, basically, Jerusalem will remember her shame and this shame, because of this shame, she will humble herself. This shame is a necessary, a, a necessary safeguard that prevents her from doing her wrongdoings once again. And God said he, he will give her older and younger sisters, Sodom and Samaria, not as her sisters, but as her daughters. What does that mean? Well, the Gentiles... Sodom and Samaria, they were admitted into fellowship as the daughters, which means as the daughters they will acknowledge that Jerusalem is the first, their first people of God. Salvation came to the Jews first and the Gentiles, Paul says, and they were adopted to be, to be God's people through Jerusalem, or we should say by the work of Jesus Christ. So those who were adopted into Jerusalem were adopted not according to the flesh. I think that's what it means by not according to the covenant that I made with you. And then, of course, they become part of the God's covenant. Yes, but not according to the flesh, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Didn't Apostle Paul say, say um, only by faith we become the children of Abraham, yes. And this was confirmed on the Pentecost day, Acts chapter 2. You see, after Christ ascended into heaven, after he finished the atonement, the work of atonement, which 
God promised at the end of Ezekiel 16? And how did uh, the Samaria and Sodom became part of God's covenant community? Well, by the atonement. And that was realized when Jesus ascended into heaven. After the atonement was given, the Holy Spirit came both to the Jews and the Gentiles. Acts chapter 2. And fulfilling this prophecy of Ezekiel 16. That these two sisters were adopted to be daughters of Jerusalem. Being part of God's covenant people. And we see the evidence here. That we are the fulfillment of this prophecy in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, conclusion. Either you were Jews... Jerusalem or the Gentiles. And after all, we all came into the one being by the working of the Holy Spirit. Church. Whether you whether wherever you came from, the church is not a place where only perfect people attend. No, it's not. But it's the place where people come to ask for the forgiveness of sins and praise the name of the Lord for the forgiveness of sins. And most of all, this is the place where we give thanks to the Lord Jesus Christ who made all these things possible that for us to be adopted into God's household. And this is the place Church is the place that you never forget what he has done for us.